Hi folks, welcome to the next edition of um, Service Crack with me, uh, Dave Anderson, uh, technical help as our voice and author and contributor at the Serverless Edge. And Mark McCann, author and contributor at Serverless Edge, architect at Globalization Partners. Hey everyone, uh, Michael O'Reilly, architect with Globalization Partners and a contributor with the Serverless Edge. Hello. So how are we all doing? Um, okay. Today we decided we'd have a chat about um, what are the principles or tenants for a high-performing serverless-first team or maybe even a high-performing modern cloud team? Um, we had a list we worked on, I think it was 2019. Uh, we wrote a list of eight tenants that we, we often joke that we, it took us 10 years to think of the tenants. It took us 10 minutes to write it. Um, so I thought it might be useful to just go through that list and see if they still make sense. What, three years later? Yeah, it's way longer, way longer. But, but yeah, as you say, I think it was. 20, it could have been twenty eighteen, so I can't remember. I think it was twenty nineteen. Yeah, I let's go through them and we'll see if they still stand up. The first one we had was, and we 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 used the term a high performing serverless first team. But it could also apply to a high performing modern cloud team. Um, so the first one is chase a business outcome or a KPI. Yep. Really, what was behind that is a team should know what business KPI they're working towards. Yeah, you should be able to tap a tap a person on the shoulder and tell me what what you're working on and what business impact the work that you're doing is going to have, and they should be able to articulate that. Yeah, I mean, a guardrail to move in at speed and velocity is making good decisions and really understanding your priorities and how you prioritize. And I think the only way to safely do that is to always tap back to you know, the success of what you're doing in product, you know, like so Starlight, we, we talk about North Stars all the time to so track your, track your way back from the, the profitability, the, you know, how the business success down to what you're doing um, and how you're having an impact on that. And I think, yeah, that's how you make good decisions and move fast. So this one stands up very strongly today, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think the thing about North Star. Yep. Yeah. North Star is critical. And like a lot of these uh, principles are tenants. We're not to put them out there. We, we didn't put them out there in teams and then not give them any sort of guidance on how to actually achieve them or align to them. So we, you know, the North Star is a great one. We did a lot of North Star workshops to help teams understand if they didn't have a good grasp of what their their, their KPIs and their North Stars were for their business. Well, there was a, I know, I'm not sure if we ever explained this, but there's a really simple thought behind that. You ask a team their KPI. If the team says, I don't know, then you run a North Star workshop. Yep. If after the North Star workshop, Nobody can think of a KPI. The next step is: Should the team be doing this work? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that was very—I mean, like that—that that happened a few times. Like, folks, you shouldn't be doing that. That really isn't that important. Yeah. Um, and it was not that they were a bad team. It's just being asked to do the wrong stuff. Yeah, yeah it definitely stands up. Uh, number two was be secure by design. Like that was secure development for us for a long time, and then AWS came out with secure by design, so we just stole it. Um, which I admit, but I, I really like that tenant. It's don't do security afterwards, bake it in from the start. It's everyone's job, period, full stop. Yeah, such a difficult thing to retrofit. So yeah, threat models, get it done early, you know, try and try and solve for what you can, what you know. Yeah, bake it into all your engineering practices, bake it into your pipelines, shift it all left, help enable teams to be more secure, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. don't say it's too hard, we're not doing it because the next project, guess what? You haven't done it. So start today, bake it in, and that's it. Yeah, and that's um, a good reason why, like, you know, 
are you aligned with the business? Is the business success number one? And then are you secure is number two here? Because if you know yep. security has a massive uh, risk profile, if you don't do it right, and it can be existential for, for businesses if you don't have a secure solution. So you know, one and two is, is, is in good order there. Yep. Yeah, that's very, very deliberate. Remember that. Uh, the third one was keep a high throughput of work. That was kind of borrowed from the DORA metrics from the Accelerate book by Nicole Forsgren. Um, I, I always liked the four Accelerate metrics and nobody ever understood that two are for throughput and the other two are for um, stability. So this is just high throughput, which is kind of deployment frequency and lead time. Yeah. I think they're they're I think around the time when we were trying to articulate this, you know, the accelerator bag was really you know coming out and really starting to be leveraged. So again, it gave us better language and better sort of external validation of the things that we were saying to teams. Hey, here's the accelerator book, here's all the door research metrics that, that back this up. Here's actionable things you can do to quantify your your velocity, your your development, your deployment frequency, your lead time. So I think again, we, these were these are well picked and I think all the stuff that came afterwards really supported that and reinforced the need for these principles. Yeah. yeah. I think for serverless teams, key to this one is make changes fast, frequent, always be learning, drive observability, as you say, Mark, just, uh, you know, really core to what you do in terms of moving with speed. And, you know, so I think yeah. that's, yeah, definitely still 100%. It drives a lot of the right behavior around removing impediments to fast flow. Yeah. Um, really questioning your dependencies. Why can't we be in the elite category? Why why do we have this dependency on, on this group or, or another group? Or or why 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 can we not deploy on demand? Why can we not deploy multiple times a day? It it really helps teams think about this in the right way. Yeah. Lots of funny stories in this one. I if you if you will indulge me. I remember talking to a monthly release team who were very angry that they didn't want to do extra work. They were like our throughput is one per month, 12 a year. We're not measuring it. I was like, we, you already have measured it. So, you know, it's not much work fee. Number two, what happens if you get a, like a zero day security vulnerability? You're going to break everything because you don't know how to release. And they were like, uh, oh, yeah, I see what you mean. And has the business actually asked you that they don't want anything for another month? No, they haven't. So that was a very interesting and amusing conversation. Uh, I know Charlie Major says that's when I do speed is stability. You know, if you... Yeah. The more frequently you do something, the more you deploy to production. The actual, you're actually improving your stability because you, you 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 smooth out the pathways, you smooth out the the error conditions. You make you know, you bake it into your pipelines and automate a lot of the stuff that did could go wrong, right? Because you're going so yeah. fast. So you're good at it, and okay. that leads us on there. That's why these things are paired. Because number four is reliably run a high stability system. Again, that's the other two door metrics. You know, throughput and stability, which is just what you're saying there with Charlie Majors. Yeah. And I, I think this one's great because it, like in a lot of the discussions we're having, it's you know with our test teams and our QA teams and sort of software engineers and tests, you know, this really drives the need for that investment in world class, you know, quality and testing capabilities and practices, right? So if you know if you're you're not stable, well, where where's the gap? What what scenarios have you not covered? What behaviors have you not covered? What um, you know, uh, chaos engineering things have you missed out on? What gaps do you have in your 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 um, your, your test suites? And um, they really make sure that that stability is there. So again, it drives the right behaviors. Well, it it, it drives the right sort of evolution, I think. Like so, you're when you look at three and four, 
um, you can't achieve any of them if if you've got man, you know, um, things in the middle or handoffs or you're dumping things over walls, right? So it's it's promoting that sort of ownership and uh, you know, and to really get at those sort of elite kind of um, scores, you really got to know what you're doing and um, you know, embrace that approach. So. 100% on those. I, yep. I think they're really good. They help us sort of modernize and shape and move teams towards that that way of working. So I yep. more. Yeah. We, we, we set a high bar over these, I'm just thinking. Uh, number five was rent or reuse with build as a final option. Um, how do you do that? Serverless. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I would even say like serverless and SaaS and, you know, yeah. like, so again, you, you don't, you don't necessarily get, you'd find, you know, certainly from our background, you're, you're very used to just going straight to the workspace and, you know, yeah, doing the, the 4C diagram and kind of going, right, this is, this is what we're doing. We're, we're, we're coding. Uh, so really just, that's a, that's a complete mindset type thing. Right. And what have we got, you know, um, so it's a very healthy kind of yeah. tenant principle to, to embrace. Yeah, it gets back to the knowing your business purpose and, and knowing your business KPIs. If you can achieve the business outcomes without doing anything, any code, you know, that's the way you're most optimal. If you can leverage a SaaS offering that you know, does what you need, that's probably the next. And then it's in the, okay, we need to build this, right? Then I'm following a serverless first mindset and approach. I'm going to use all the serviceful sort of offerings, right? Money services before I do anything. What do you two think about this? Like I always... I'm not a big fan of hero kind of developers and hero kind of mentality. You know, you can kind of you. I've over the years you've kind of used this one to kind of you know. Okay, guys, no, we're, we're just going to use this off the shelf. <laughs> you know, uh, less code. Um, code is democratize a, all that. You know, yeah, democratize engineer. Yeah, you don't want a superhero building something that no one understands all the time. It's the hardest thing, you know. But yeah, yeah. Very good. Uh, number six was continuously optimize the total cost. I always thought this was the best question to ask any team because good teams will tell you how much their cloud costs are um, and just loads of teams have no idea. Yeah. Um, so this was always a, a great measure of a good team that they would cost was front of mind. And I would add, they would also tell you how much they cost <laughs> and uh, you yes. know how much they cost to actually do what you're asking them to do. And they'll give you good sort of advice and guidance on that as well. And, yeah. and be, kind of get straight through the ROI and, and give you good projected kind of ROIs and stuff as well. So yeah, solid principle there. Like. Yeah, I think I think the uh, a good team will tell you their their run cost. A great team will tell you the total cost of the whole thing. And and the really great teams will almost get into like a worst based development type conversation about how much features cost and how much revenue they bring in and how impactful they are to the business. One yeah. one thing I would add to this one is, and that's a fantastic question, but it really gets to the how can we mature the teams? How can we evolve the teams so that they can answer this one readily? Right, but I think. The total cost is now going to include your carbon footprint. Your sustainability cost will factor into that total cost. So, when you know, when you're optimizing your total cost, you're not only optimizing for financial costs, you're also optimizing now for carbon footprint, right? You know, and that should hopefully drive conversations about where's the most ecologically friendly, you know, reason to put your workload in. And we've we've talked about this before, and the sustainability pillar and all that good stuff, right? Yeah, very good. And then, so number seven is build event-driven via strong APIs. This sounds very easy, but I was talking to um, 
a Sam Dangler earlier, and he was saying like, he's like, nobody's still doing this properly. It's like, we've been talking about this for 20 years. It's still a mystery to most people, proper um, integration. It makes yeah. sense, but it's a, it's, it's not easy. No, and again, it's, um, again, moving fast is making sure that you've got, you know, the right things in the right places, but also at the right size. And um, and then sort of having things that are composable, but it's kind of breaking things up so into their smallest constituent parts, so you can kind of, you know, change things as frequently as as possible. I always find that this one takes a lot of evolution, you know, and you, you evolve yeah. through the different kind of levels of complexity, and it does take time. It does take time, but you should be you should always be thinking about it. Like teams new to serverless, new to that type of way of work, and will always kind of reinvent what they know. You know, tiered kind of systems you know but over time eventing it definitely becomes and i uh, think that the principles we have higher up there around you um your high throughput and high stability you know if you're trying to get into those elite categories it almost drives you towards getting towards an initially coupled event driven architecture and um, yeah so it, it gives you much more autonomy gives you much more freedom gives you much more ability to, to deploy when you're ready because you are event driven you are loosely coupled you are um, you have these strong apis that sort of um, give you that autonomy, I guess, and architecturally be in that autonomy and, and with the, the, the right sort of team alignment around that, you can really you know, go fast. You can be in those elite groups, right? So I think, you know, this one, you know, a lot of these principles sort of intense bounce off each other, right? So if you're trying to do influence one and try to get good at one, you almost have to have some of the other ones in place as well. Yeah, yeah that, that's hard. I like it. I mean, I was enjoying people thinking layers, but they try and do event-driven, but you have to go through layers. It's like, that's not event-driven. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of the facilitated practices have really come to the fore in the last couple of years. Like there's lots of good stuff from you know, the DDD query. There's lots of great sort of yep. event storming from, from Alberto and and you know, the event bridge storming from the you know, Ben LRB code. So there's lots of really good hands-on facilitated techniques that demystify this a little bit and make it a bit more hands-on, a bit more approachable for, for squads um, to really you know, get the benefits of a, of a event-driven architecture. Yeah, yeah, therefore. Then number eight was one of my favorites. Build solutions that fit in their heads against reused from Dan North, uh, who I always loved his phrase, is that don't be building crazy systems that are too complicated. And for me, this became a nice nod towards team topologies and setting out proper boundaries. Like, Like we've all seen teams be the victim of crazy architectures, big balls of mud, where there's just too much to fit in your head and the cognitive load just yeah. breaks people. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I think they are one of this, like, I really like this one, you know, and I do think this one probably will evolve over a wee bit of time. Like, I'm always saying, like, particularly when we're getting teams going, is just enough design, you know, like, breaking teams who want to design everything up front and go into huge amounts of detail, you know, like, keep your world small. Um, you know, focus on what you're doing today and we'll work our way out, you know, because when you're moving rapid de- development, you know, it's continuous architecture. You should be always refactoring. You should be always changing. You won't design the end state up front. You got to be prepared to, you know, go in and change and move direction. I don't know many projects have been in the serverless where we've nuked what we've done after two or three weeks and started again. And just went at it. You know, it, it, it's just the it's just the way of working. But your point is really... I think this is, goes back into again domain-driven design and you know uh, limiting cognitive burden and and making sure that you know you've got your groups and your 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 classifications kind of well 
designed and yeah, everything like that, that really. Like the team about these guys really nailed this one around you. We're optimizing for for code and a burden for a team, and there's a certain ceiling for that, right? So, and again, yeah. this is where all the other principles really come into that, right? So we can design systems that are that are small, that are loosely coupled, that are event-driven, that are deployed frequently, and that helps reduce that cognitive burden. It's not easy to get there. It's hard work, and you have to evolve, and you have to iterate and, and incrementally go after it, but you can start to really optimize for, for solutions that do fit in the, the, the heads of your teams, right? Yeah. Yeah, very good. It's funny, I was just thinking that we, we wrote that as a serverless first thing, but there's no mention of Lambda or serverless anywhere in that list, which is funny, which... I don't know if it was intentional, but it's, it's certainly how we were and do think. Just before we close up, anything you would add to that list of eight? Hard to say. The, on the spot. We've been talking a lot about well architected. So, and then whenever I articulate these, now I, you know, I'm almost like a, a modern cloud or a serverless first well architected team will leverage these principles. So, it's almost like almost a, if you do this, you're, you're going to be you know, towards well architected. The, the other thing I remember just talking there is about, you know, Operating with situational awareness, right? So there's maybe a principle there around you, you know, leverage worldly maps or or other techniques to really understand, you know, am I going in the right direction, right? Um, like yeah. And business KPI stuff really lends to that and understanding that. But there might be something there around, you know, um, operating with with, with uh, good situational awareness. I think it's something that um, teams are doing this and they follow these eight principles would be would have good situational awareness, but maybe an additional one we get out. What about maybe developer experience with developer experience? Is that is that the team's remit or is that the company's remit? Um, it's kind of with this. Like I kind of look at these at a team level. Yeah, know? I kind of feel like you know, Mark, with situational awareness, you've got stuff that would feed into these, and yeah. then you know, with the well architected, they underpin all those kind of sorts of principles. And yeah, hundred percent. And for me, like. I definitely think things like collaboration and you know working as a as a broader group. Because the one thing I would say is, particularly with eight, I was thinking with eight, you know, build solutions that fit in your head. And and what I say about that is, if you're working to the well-architected standards, and all the other teams are working to the well-architected standards, portability and mobility of teams, and, and being able to kind of move around and you know, and, and no, no surprises. So I think there may be something there around just you know at the org or. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but I think I but well architected is the how. This is the kind of the 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 the, the, the direction, you know. So uh, you, you don't have like well architects in here through security, cost, operational, reliability. So it, it's threaded throughout it, but it's just that's almost this is how you do it, the well architected, but that's this is the tenants. Yeah, I think I think your question about developer experience. I think the you know cloud teams with the highest throughput of work really drives towards solving for developer experience. You can't have a high throughput of, of work and the you know, deployment frequency if your developer experience is terrible, right? It's well, yeah, another thing you could put, but um, I don't think we were brave enough to write it. Um, don't accept per developer experience, but I didn't want to be responsible for a bunch of developers leaving the company. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, ha- we had to keep our jobs as well, like when you entice people to leave. Um, but I think that there is there is that you know creating that environment for success is a critical enabler for that. But I think um, whether it's a high level principle or not, it's hard to say. Yeah, maybe it's really what I've tried to get to is around maybe contribution. You know, in order to have good developer experience, they need to be able to contribute and you know in a source. You need to be 
be able to do that, you know. Yeah, give something back through an inner source program. One, I'm closing one, maybe we didn't put is uh, that idea of learning. You, you want to be learning as a team. Yeah. So um, maybe there's a curiosity principle there, but the team are always questioning stuff. But again, sometimes that goes wrong because when you ask a team to do architected, they'll say, why? Like, oh, okay. I think, so, I think <laughs> a lot of continuous learning, you, we get this a lot with the optimized total cost. You know, have you looked at other options? Have you looked to evolve your stack? Have you, you know, are you continuously learning about new features and capabilities that are available to you? So it comes out a little bit in that, but yeah. I think there is a maybe there is something there with that. But are we curious with the growth mindset? There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's a crack. We'll leave it at that. Um, good conversation. We'll, we'll we'll keep that going. Um, give us a shout on theserverlessage.com or at serverlessage on Twitter or on YouTube. Um, thanks very much. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye, everybody.